We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire DFS podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined as always by Benny Ricciardi as we spotlight the tight end and defense positions for NFL Week 5 in the DFS action. Today, you can find Benny on Twitter, as always, at Rotocurve, Rotowire, and as a featured writer on the DraftKings Playbook. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Josh Hayes FS and find me hosting the Daily Slant DFS podcast and YouTube show over at profootballfocus.com. The Rotowire DFS podcast is now available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have a chance to rate or review us, please go ahead and do so, and don't forget to share and subscribe. Benny, what's going on? How did Week 4 treat you? Week 4 treated me pretty well. I uh, won a ticket over on FanDuel to go to the uh, DFS Players Conference in New York City. A um, couple nights stay and airfare, even though I live a three dollar bus ride away so i'll pocket most of the airfare and that'll be my spending money so i'm pretty happy um cashed on both sites in a lot of tournaments so not too bad i definitely had a a pretty good weekend very nice Uh, i will tell you right now i aaron Rodgers did me a little bit of a disservice by not producing at a top level when at at a premium price and Mm. thomas rawls if i see him in the street yeah it's it's not going to be a good thing for him it might yes. not be a good thing for me either, to be honest, if I go attacking Thomas Rawls. But yeah, I feel the, like, uh, yeah, that was a pretty the, big bust. Yeah, I had I had a, a lot of lineups that were live that could have paid big money last night if Rawls had not even a big game, just a decent game. Yeah, like a hundred and uh, touch, I would have would have put. Oh, uh, I mean, that would have put me over the moon. I would have been I would have been extremely happy with that. But uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, like I said, it was still a pretty decent weekend overall, so I really can't complain. Anytime you take more money than you put in, you got to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's um, a, a good thing overall if you can turn a profit any week in fantasy. And today, I think I, like across every site, if I totaled everything, I'm either even or a few bucks ahead. So, but, you know, whenever you don't win the million make, Millionaire Maker or, you know, the FanDuel Sunday Million, you're a little bit disappointed. Oh, yes. I feel like it should be mine. I don't know why. 
I like seeing that uh, at at you know twelve fifty nine right before lineup lock the potential winnings like two billion dollars. Oh million. yeah, that's, that's the, the that is the single best feature that they have. And I was just been talking to other sites. I was like, listen, if you don't have this, you need this. I yes. I want to know how many millions I could be sitting on, even though it's not yes. a good shot for me. Yeah, the car the currently winnings at the end of the day and, never match up, but yeah. it's still nice to see that number there at the right. beginning of the day. Well, what you should log in is like log in uh, at the first play of the game when everyone's tied. And you're tied. Yeah. <laughs> you're tied for 1.2 mil on DraftKings. You know, yeah. it's it's perfect. Yeah, if your guy has like a three yard carry to start the first game that goes <laughs> off, you're, yeah, you're in the money. Yeah, exactly. Or if just by some chance, you know, like you get the first score of the game, your kick returner, or it's like you know, 80 yard bomb from your quarterback, and you're like, I'm winning the tournament. Yes. Yeah, that's those are, those are the best feelings, even if it just it's fleeting. All yeah. right, so let's go ahead and uh, dig in here, Benny. We're going to be covering tight ends and defenses here. We're going to start at the tight end position here. Who's looking good for you here in week five? Okay, I mean, you know, I do this every week, and, you know, people always try to argue it, and people always tell me, oh, you can't play him, or, you know, he's too expensive or whatever, but if you're not starting tight end research by looking at Gronk, and if you're not considering Gronk as a cash game play for yourself, um, to me, you're basically doing it wrong. And he is head and shoulders above every other tight end at the position. If you can afford him, he's basically the nuts almost every week. Uh, cash game option every week. He's basically like a wide receiver with the tight end designation. He pretty much leads his team or is close to the lead because, I mean, Edelman's been getting a lot of looks this year too. So I don't know if he's leading the team in targets, but he's always up there. He always gets red zone looks. He's a tight end that can make a play and pick up yards after the catch for you. And he scores touchdowns all the time. So he basically can do it all from the position. Now... To me, he's clearly head and shoulders above everybody else. He has the highest floor of anybody at the position, also has the highest ceiling because not many of these other guys can have a three-touchdown game like we've seen Gronk do and, you know, like he is capable of doing. Now, obviously, the drawback is always price because you're paying, I think, $1,800 over the next closest guy today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So, obviously, you know, it's more expensive. If you pay up for him, you have to pay down in other positions, but... In cash games, I pay up for Gronk almost every week, and if people are staying off him in tournaments on Thursday, when I see ownership percentage, if he's less than 20% owned, I usually pay up for him in a lot of my uh, GPP tournaments too. So to me, anytime you talk about tight ends, especially this season, because there's nobody else up at that elite level. You know, you don't have a Julius Thomas who's catching two or three Peyton Manning touchdowns every week. You don't have... Jimmy Graham in New Orleans getting, you know, 12 to 15 looks every game in an offense that's throwing the ball 40 to 50 times. You know, he's basically the one guy to me who's matchup proof, and he's also the one guy to me you can use on an every week basis. So, All right, here's my next question to you then. If you're cash game rostering Gronk, does that mean that you're automatically booking Tom Brady in your cash game lineups for week four? I know we're not talking quarterbacks, but I think it's a relevant question. Yeah, no, I, I do not think that you have to link the two of them together. I think you can if you if you really, really like Brady, but I tend to spend, and again, I mean, I have a different view on it. I feel like the quarterback position, the amount of points you can get from the top to the bottom is the closest spread as it is at any position. Um, a, a decent mid-price quarterback usually, on average, will not be that many points behind the top quarterbacks um, unless one of the top quarterbacks absolutely goes off. So unless it's a week where I feel that Brady's going to absolutely go off and throw for 400 yards like he did against Buffalo, 
Um, I don't think you have to, to stack the two of them together. As a matter of fact, I think it's probably better not to because if you're paying up at quarterback and using Gronk, you're really going to be chintzing at all the other positions. I mean, you're not going to have enough money to get any of the other really good players. You're going to be going min-price pretty much the rest of the roster. So I think you can take Gronk and a, and a cheaper quarterback in cash, which is what I usually wind up doing, and it's been working out pretty well so far. All right, I like that play there as well. I've been tend to tend to sort of lean towards rostering whoever I think is the top quarterback, Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and it's um, I'm two and two in terms of my fifty fifties this week. There, if you know, I needed Rodgers to have a bigger game against San Francisco because I paid up for him, and it didn't necessarily work out. So, just always like to hear your personal take on it because you know we like to bounce off ideas off of each other and you know twist each other's arms when we think we have a good play in one spot uh, or, or another. So, uh, I. Interesting take because a lot of people th- feel generally feel like for cash games you really need to go with the safest quarterback position. But I think a lot of people, like you s- said, have gone off the board with guys like Tyrod Taylor and some some of these mid or tier, tier options. I think Philip Rivers was among the top uh, producing quarterbacks there, and he was a mid price option uh, uh, there in week four. So you don't necessarily have to have the the top gun in in order to produce at the level that you're looking for in terms of cash games. All right, let's refocus back to the tight end position. We've talked about the top dog here. Now we've got the best. Let's talk about the rest. Who else you got? Um, well, there's a bunch of guys in the mid-range who I think are interesting. Uh, one guy who I used a little bit last week and I'm probably going to be using again this week is uh, Charles Clay from Buffalo. He's one of the best pass catchers that they got right now, especially with Watkins out. Um, Percy Harvin is more of a, a long kind of guy. Um, he's somebody... He, you know, Percy Harvin's more of the long guy. He's somebody that they send downfield while um, Clay runs a lot of those underneath routes, a lot of those crossing routes, which we saw him run a lot last week. Uh, he had 13 targets in the last game. He's had 20 targets over the last two games, which has him um, at about a little bit over seven targets a game, which makes him fifth overall for tight end targets in 2015. And the thing I like about him is um, Percy Harvin is more of a deep threat guy. So when they do get down there close, he also winds up getting some red zone looks, so you have a chance to get touchdowns out of Clay as well. Um, I like him more over on FanDuel. Uh, he does get a decent amount of catches. You know, he had a, he had a really good game last weekend. But um, at 5,700, I think his price is pretty nice, and I also like the fact that he gets a lot of volume with a lot of those targets. So those are two things that I look for, especially when I'm trying to find the cheap guy at the tight end position because it's so touchdown dependent that in order to separate yourself, you really need the guy who's going to make a lot of catches and hopefully get a bunch of yards. So even if he doesn't get a touchdown, he still doesn't kill you on the day. I, I, I like that play. I think it makes a bunch of sense uh, for me um, uh, personally. I, I would I wanted to get in on Jordan Reed against Atlanta for the next week, but now that he's back in with another, his fourth concussion, mm-hmm. I think that's sort of going to move me off of him. Just interesting to see here, for instance, like just on Fandle and DraftKings at the tight end position, just the disparity in price. It's you know Gronk is in a, in a tier one, and then you go from you know the sixty six hundred to fifty five hundred ranges of a plethora of options. I, I will say this. I think people need to take a strong look at Ant- Antonio Gates here uh, in, we- uh, in week five, particularly on a site like uh, DraftKings where he's only 4,200. The San Diego um, Chargers have a serious issue. C.B. Johnson went out with a hammy. It looks pr- it looked pretty bad. I'm, I don't know if they have an updated injury report on him yet, and so we'll obviously talk about that throughout the week. 
um, and we'll, uh, you know, I can both make a mental note to check the ownership percentage uh, on our on our weekend update show. Uh, but forty two hundred on Fanduel. I'm sorry, on DraftKings. Ladarius Green uh, has been in and out of the lineup with various injuries. Malcolm Floyd went down with the injury. C.B. Johnson's out with injury. They were down to two healthy wide receivers and playing two tight end sets against Cleveland, and they still made hay. And Ladarius Green still found the end zone. Uh, even that, I mean, it should have been an easy double for Keenan Allen. He still found the end zone. So Phillip Rivers is dialed in, particularly at home, and they are at home against Pittsburgh, which is a team that we know. Um, I, I don't, I don't want. I'm going to actually just throw out the whole Baltimore game there because it's a mess, and Baltimore's wide receiver core is maybe the worst in the league. Mm-hmm. So uh, give me some Antonio Gates here for a you know cl- I'm going to say below low mid tier, low tier two pricing uh, out there in week five. Any other value options that we should be taking a look at the, at the tight end positions before we get to some like straight punt plays? Um, yeah, well, I mean, there's one guy I don't know. Well, actually, before I even get to him, I also wanted to just mention uh, Martellus Bennett real quick as well. Yes, um, he's basically the fourth most targeted tight end right now at almost eight targets per game. Um, they have a very weak wide receiver crew with that Chicago team, and they're expected to be down with KC being a big favorite. So you got to think that they're going to have to pass there. I don't know if Alshon's going to play again. Um, I'm hoping, you know, word is that he will be back, which I think actually helps Bennett because it takes some of the pressure, you know, off of him because teams are going to have to concentrate on Alshon. When you have another guy like Eddie Royal who also runs a lot of those underneath routes, you know, him and and Bennett kind of clog up the close to the line of scrimmage stuff. So if you can get Alshon, who's more of a deep threat back, and now with Cutler being back too, who's a, you know, much better quarterback than Clawson, I think there is a good chance that you could get an upside from Bennett. My one fear is that because Casey's defense is so aggressive, which we'll talk about when we talk about defenses, they might need to keep Bennett in to kind of chip block a little bit more. And a lot of times when a team plays a defense that blitzes a lot and you have to keep your tight end a li- tight end in a little more to help out on the coverage, I mean on the uh, blitz pickup, you know, he doesn't run as many routes. So that is my one concern with him. But if you're talking about cheap guys who I don't consider punt plays, I just think are cheap, I think Owen Daniels is somebody who you have to talk about this week. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be very popular. But so far this season, we have seen that tight ends against Oakland is something that you pretty much can blindly roster, um, no matter who it is, and and they've been producing for you. You know, you had guys like Barnage from Cleveland. You had Crockett Gilmore. Um, even last week with Martellus Bennett, I mean, they've all torn up this Oakland defense for a bunch of catches, for touchdowns. I mean, basically whatever you want. The tight end is the way that you want to attack this defense. And Daniels is averaging, you know, a little over five targets a game, which isn't a ton, but at least he's seeing some looks in the passing game. And he has a red zone touchdown and a red zone look in each of the la- – he has a red zone touchdown in each of the last two weeks – and a red zone look in each of the last three weeks. So I think with the best tight end matchup in the game going for him and a price of only 4900 he's definitely somebody that you have to look at. Uh, using him allows you to have the money to spend up and get a big quarterback or a, you know, a big wide receiver or a couple big running backs into your roster. So he's definitely going to be a popular option for people who are looking to uh, do that with a matchup this good. Yeah, I think that you're just going to see Oakland being targeted all season long, and this is another great example of that situation here. Uh, I think Jason Witten here is in a, in a pretty good spot uh, against New England uh, here in Week 2. 5700 on FanDuel. I don't mind the price uh, there. It's I don't mind the price also on, on, on DraftKings. 
for him uh, at 4,500, sort of priced below some of these other bigger uh, mid-tier guys like the like the Jimmy Grahams, Travis Kelseys, the Martellus Bennetts, um, right in that range with, with with Tyler Eifert and and Jordan Reed. I think that you can reasonably expect that New England is going to be ahead in this game, even though they are on the, in the road at Dallas. And I think that there's going to be that's going to be one major point that they're going to be able to do. I don't think you really have to worry about the run game being a significant threat because Joseph Randall and Jeremy McFadden are blowing it on a serious level. I think it's you know, I wouldn't mind actually if I hear any hint of Christine Michael getting getting some um, some part time work. I wouldn't mind throwing him in a GPP because the other two guys are so bad right now. It's un- mm. it's unbelievable. But going back to that, you. Know, if you have to ask me what their best weapon probably be for you know explosiveness, it's probably Terrence Williams, and so mm-hmm. you could, you could see just the underneath stuff and the, the sort of safety valve type of passes happening here with uh, Brandon Whedon and, and Jason Witten. So yeah, now I actually have a, a question for you, and this is a, a serious question because I really don't know the answer right now. Okay. Um, with with Dunbar being out for Dallas, I know we're not talking about running backs, but with Dunbar being out, you figuring that they're going to be behind to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Who would be the back that they're probably going to be using if they're running like a hurry up and you know passing offense, third down kind of offense late in the game? I'm gonna have to guess it's Joseph Randall uh, okay. because he has caught a couple passes this season and he's been in the starting lineup. I don't feel like feel like Darren McFadden. That's his game, personally. I, Darren, Darren McFadden. They treat him like he's Christian Okoye or something. They just re- run him <laughs> up the middle and that's basically it. We, you know, you don't do anything else. You just run up the one hole, the one and the mm-hmm. three, the one and the th- one and the three. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm going to guess it's Joseph Randall. I have no idea personally with, without, you know, digging into three. The problem with Christine Michaels, we don't know like at the, at the pro level, if he is a viable third down back or passing game back yeah. there, you know, we know Joseph Randall can, can catch a pass reasonably mm-hmm. so I mean, he's no definitely no lance dunbar so um, either i could see you know joseph randall hanging in there on third downs or him just them just shedding the uh, the the entire uh you know third down back situation and, and just you know making cole beasley and uh some of these other wide receivers uh, more viable options take the back out of the backfield and maybe leave a fullback in there to block or you know Darren mcfadden in there Christy Michael in there to block and and just not make it an option. That's it. Really is going to change the, the dimension because he's been such a huge part of their passing game with Des Bryant out. So interesting to see what happens there. Um, a couple more tight end plays here. We got to talk about Gary Barnage, and this guy just won't go away. Is is basically what it amounts to uh, a significant salary jump here uh, f- uh, from week to one. To, uh, so I'm sorry, from week four to uh, upcoming here. Now in 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 week five, started out around twenty five hundred. Now he's priced at thirty eight hundred. So, are you buying this level of production here? I know I should be asking myself this, but I want to see just like an outsider's take before I give you the the uh, what I hopefully is unbiased Browns information. But I know that there's some bias in in me for sure. Uh, so your take on these back to back monster performances from Gary Barnage? Um, I mean, basically he's part of. You know, he's he's part of that offense right now, and they don't have a lot of pass catchers. If they're going to be trailing often, um, which I think is kind of why people have been staying away from him, because people feel like Cleveland, with that good offensive line that they have, is just going to try to slam the ball up the middle. But you got to have some balance, and they don't have a lot of wide receivers, um, again, other than Benjamin, who we both talked about that we both like. I don't 
think that Barnage is a guy who is going to turn into a top five tight end in the league. I think that he's had some pretty good matchups recently that he's exploited. But I also don't think that he's somebody you can dismiss, to be honest with you. I think he's somebody that definitely is a viable option because his price is so cheap. And he does basically see the lion's share of the work at tight ends for them right now. Yeah, the, 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 here's my sort of concern with um, Barnage overall is this is going to be a, a tough matchup on the road in, in Baltimore. And if they take away Travis Benjamin and they uh, and Gary Barnage doesn't get it done, I don't know how Cleveland succeeds in in this matchup. And they did a good job of pretty much limiting Travis Benjamin and I don't if Gary Barnard doesn't make this crazy like you know tip the ball to himself 50 yard catch down the sideline I don't even know if we're talking about Gary Barnage I mean I don't know if that's fair for us to say you know because he made the catch and it counts uh, but it's a completely different narrative if that ball was originally ruled you know incomplete Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're not we're not even having this conversation if that pass doesn't happen. So I'm really interested to see here against one of the you know, this is going to be probably their toughest defensive matchup of the season to see how much he he's able to produce on the road in a tough matchup uh, f- uh, for the for the Cleveland Browns there. One guy I want to quickly mention here, I think that's well under the radar is Tim Wright for the Detroit Lions uh, here. Uh-huh. Uh, now, I'm not... This is not like a talent thing or anything like this. This is a Eric Ebron's injured, and so is Brandon Pettigrew. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we saw that Tim Wright came up with actually a big fourth quarter pass that put them... Uh, I think that set up that Calvin Johnson muff in the end zone. So, once Eric, if Eric Ebron has this, I guess, day-to-day uh, uh, knee injury that he cleared you know, in terms of the x-ray showing no structural damage... But the way he left out on a cart, I just have really, con- really am concerned as to whether or not he actually gets back into the lineup. So, if you're wanting to go super deep and, and punt it all the way down next week, I, I wouldn't mind taking a share or two of of Tim Wright down all the way at the bottom here. Let's see what we got for for Wright on price. Yeah, he's forty five hundred over on Fanduel, and I actually had him written down. Um, you know, I'm glad you brought him up because I actually had him written down as my punt play as well for the exact same reasons that you're talking about. They should be trailing in this game. They should have to throw. Um, you know, Ebron, like you said, the news came back that the MRI revealed no structural damage, but that doesn't mean he's playing. I mean, he took a shot that was good enough that they had to take him off on the stretcher. You know, like you said, like I saw the same thing that he had to be taken off on the cart. Um, so there's still a very low likelihood that he's going to be playing this week. And again, I don't know what's up with Brandon Pettigrew. He's still out. He's been out for probably about three weeks now. So if you're taking the top two tight ends off that team, you know, Wright basically got all the snaps after Ebron went out. So he should be the guy that you see get the lion's share of work. So I would definitely think that that is a viable punt play if you want to go all the way down to the bottom. Although I got to be honest, I I still think Owen Daniels on FanDuel for $400 more is worth it. But um, you could probably get right. I would assume twenty five hundred on DraftKings. Is he like min min price? Uh, let me double check here. I believe so. Fanduel. Um, Tim Wright. Tim Wright. Tim Wright. Yeah, he's forty five on Fanduel. I know. I was looking at that earlier. Oh, do, or you were you talking about DraftKings? Sorry, yeah, yeah, DraftKings. I, I don't know. I think he's. I would assume he's twenty five. Actually, I have it right here. Let me take a look real quick. Yeah, he's 2,500. So at 2,500, I mean, you basically need to get about 10 points out of a guy. Um, If you think he can make four or five catches for 50 yards, which I don't think is a lock, but I do think it's, 
something that you know is worth considering when you're looking at it. Um, again, Arizona also has a pretty blitz happy defense, so you got to kind of think he might be kept in a little bit more. But I mean, Detroit actually gave Stafford some pretty good time last night. I don't think Seattle had a lot of sacks, did they? No, uh, Seattle d- didn't pressure the ball nearly as much as they want to. Matt, Matt Stafford finally was able to operate with a clean pocket down there in the fourth quarter when they needed the pressure. So it wasn't nearly as good as the, uh, one had hoped. But uh, well, that's this is why I think the, the situation that you have here with ro- rostering Owen Daniels versus Tim Wright is there's a bunch of weapons that you need to just go off. They don't really need Owen to, to exploit that matchup per se because – uh, Demarius Thomas is already a matchup nightmare. Emmanuel Sanders is already a matchup nightmare. And, you know, if you, you take a look at some of the other uh, situations that you have with, uh, you know, Ronnie Hillman finally breaking out with in, in the run game, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, it's to me, it's GPP only for sure. And I'm not going to have a ton of shares. But I think it's worth owning because Oakland has gotten beat up so many, so many times before. And I'm sure Denver will know that. And I'm sure, you know, that they won't be able to stop it. So uh, that's. A good situation overall f- for the punts, but I think I would rather probably spend the four hundred dollars and f- and figure that those t- you know double digit targets that Ebron had been getting over the past couple weeks may just translate over to Tim Wright, who's also a good you know t- pass catcher in the uh, mm-hmm. as far as tight ends go. So I think we've sufficiently covered the majority of the tight end plays that we need to take a look at. Now let's talk about the defense uh, for for Week Five. Uh, we've we've got uh, New England back in the, in the mix. Uh, we've got uh, they're they're on the road at Dallas. Uh, the way just taking a look at the slate, there isn't a ton of like super exciting matchups. Uh, well, this has basically happened every week. You like a couple defenses, and the the rest of them are like, I don't know. It's it seems to be a coin toss. So who are a few of your favorites? Yeah, one thing I want to point out to everybody when you're looking at defenses this week um, is is an old lesson that that I try to remember every time I'm in a situation like this. There aren't a lot of good defenses that are at home this week. And it is such a huge advantage to be at home um, when you're picking your defenses. You know, somebody has done research on it, somebody a lot smarter than me, but I do remember reading it at some point that, you know, defenses at home score more points. And that's why it makes it a tough week here because there aren't a lot of really good home defenses. Mm -hmm. But um, there are a couple things that I had noticed that I wanted to point out to people. First thing is uh, Cincinnati playing against Seattle. Now, I know some people are like, Seattle, but yeah, if you watch that game last night, their offensive line is horrendous. Like, they literally had people in the backfield on every single play. If Russ Wilson wasn't so good at scrambling and running around, like, if you had Peyton Manning back there for Seattle, he might have taken 15 sacks last night because... Russ Wilson escaped from a whole bunch of situations, Mm -hmm. which, again, I expect him to do a few times against Cincinnati as well. But that offensive line is really that bad that, you know, I think you're going to have Cincinnati putting pressure on him, and I think they're going to be able to pick up some points that way. Now, the other thing is I'm hoping Marshawn Lynch might be out again because that offense looked pretty bad overall last night. So if you have no Marshawn Lynch and an offense that's not going to score a lot, with a bad offensive line that's going to be giving up a lot of pressures. And remember, I think they had a fumble on on Russ that they ran back. Mm-hmm. I think they also had an interception against them. So, you know, the fact that he is a very efficient quarterback is great, but you put enough pressure on anybody, you're going to cause some mistakes. So I think Cincinnati at home is a very sneaky defense to look at next week against Seattle. 
I think that can make some sense too, especially with a team that's struggling and then having to travel uh, west coast to east coast. So those two factors are very interesting for me. I, if I think if you're going to go on the road, I'm going to continue to do what I've been doing and didn't pay a ton of dividends this week here. But Denver defense uh, on the road at Oakland, it's not that much of a of a, of a travel spot, and Oakland in a spot where they should have shown up against Chicago. Uh, really sort of f- fell flat in terms of overall offense. Uh, I mean, I'm always going to be scared of the Denver defense with those, you know, with you have, you know, Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, and 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 the likes. And I think one of the, you know, two of the best cornerback tandems and Chris Harris Jr. and and Akeem Talib. So we'll see if Oakland actually gets back on track at at home. But I think that's that's a good spot if you're going to go with a, t- a defense on the road. Tennessee has shown a propensity to turn over the ball there as as well. That is another road matchup. Uh, against uh, uh, the Buffalo Bills, but the Buffalo Bills, uh, um, sh- I think that they're they've a better defense than they've shown. They got a little bit exposed here in the, in the past couple weeks. Twenty four points isn't a ton of points necessarily, but it's not great for uh, you know a defense that's going to uh, we're supposed to be top five throughout the season here. Now the problem with Tennessee here is there's, they're pretty one dimensional. Overall, they're still holding a tryout as we speak at the running back position. I think Antonio Andrews came out as the yardage leader, which who was on exactly no one's radar through the yeah. first four weeks of the season. So it just tells you everything you need to know about Bishop Sankey, Dexter McCluster, and Terrence West. So you know that they're going to be forced to pass, for the most part, because the run game isn't effective, and you really can't run on the Bills effectively anyhow. I think that's going to be set up for a good situation overall with the Buffalo defense there uh, in Week 5. Next question for you is, how much do you trust the Kansas City defense at home against Chicago in Week 5? Um, I actually really like the Kansas City defense this week. They are a team that puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. They run a lot of blitzes, bring in linebackers and everything like that. Um, they do have a thing that I think hurt them early in the season was uh, you know Smith being suspended out there at cornerback because they were getting beat through the pass I mean, pretty regularly. So now with Smith back and with Peters, who's actually pretty good, the rookie cornerback they have on the other side, I think that, you know, they're shored up a little bit in the secondary. And honestly, I mean, Chicago's offense, passing-wise, there's not really much to to worry about. You know, whether Alshon plays or not, he's probably not going to be 100%. So I don't know if I'm really going to be, you know, fearing him too much, even if he is in. And if he's not in, I mean, Eddie Royal on the outside is their top receiver, and that's not scaring anybody. So you basically have to think that he's playing a weak defense. My hope is that they get up early, because if I'm Chicago, I'm going to try to keep the ball on the ground and go to Matt Forte. Um, so when they're doing that early in the game, you're probably not going to rack up a lot of sacks or interceptions. Um, you know, So you're not going to get a lot of fantasy points that way. But I do think that they can limit Chicago, whose offense has been struggling, and if they can turn them into a one-dimensional passing team in the second half, that's when I think they could really rack up a lot of points, get a couple sacks, maybe force an interception. Um, again, Cutler was one of the league leaders last year in interceptions thrown, so it's not out of the question. Um, you know, again, you get enough pressure on him, you can get the sacks, you can get the forced fumbles. So there's a lot of ways that they can rack up points in that situation. And again, you know, I love playing defenses at home. It's one of my things I look for. So I, I am on Kansas City, and I will have some shares. I also like their price. I don't think they're too expensive this week either in most places. Yeah, so I think that's it makes a lot of sense. I probably will try to differentiate my defenses more than last week where I had just probably way too many shares of Denver. And that that's going to be one of those teams that I throw in the mix against Chicago. I also want to go as a, as a uh, cheaper, a little bit more under the radar play, the New York Giants defense 
at home against San Francisco. We know San Francisco has been, uh, has, if you've seen what they've done in their two road games, just torched and torched some more from the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Arizona Cardinals. They go to over to the Giants. They're another West Coast to East Coast travel game, which we have seen they have not handled well. Uh, and you and just the fact that just just a, a serious level of um, lack of production from Colin Kaepernick and that offense, they're clearly frustrated. It looks like um, everybody is out of sync in that offense. So even if the defense d- doesn't, uh, you know, turn the ball over a ton, you just don't expect Colin Kaepernick to really put together a strong offensive performance. So this is a pretty safe floor for you and you know you take a look at the price on DraftKings of 43 I'm sorry FanDuel of 4300 and uh, DraftKings you take a look at the defense there as well at, at 2900 that's a pretty good savings from some of the top options that you would might potentially spend up particularly 4k uh, at Seattle so uh, if I have to save some cash and, and jump down I will not mind taking some shares of New York Giants defense there in week five and that is going to wrap it up for part one. Three parts coming here this week of the RotoWire DFS podcast. On tomorrow's show, we will break down the uh, let's see quarterback and kicker positions, and then we will talk about uh, wide receivers and running backs there on the uh, Thursday show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget that you can download and subscribe to the RotoWire DFS podcast, which is now available on Stitcher and iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a, a rating, a review, and don't forget to subscribe. You can check out Benny on Twitter at BennyR11. If you have any comments, questions, or complaints, you can send them over to me at Josh Hayes FS. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Napa a Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.